Hey, this is Brian Jensen. You're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. This show is brought to you by Priya Pickups, quality handcrafted guitar pickups from Detroit, Rock City. Check them out at priapickups.com. And if you want to support the No Sleep Till Sudbury podcast on Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash Music for details. I'm also available for speaking engagements. For inquiries on that, visit brentjensenmusic.com or email info at brentjensenmusic.com. All right, today on the show, I'd like to explore the disappearance of Welsh musician Richie Edwards. Edwards, also known as Richie James or Richie Manic, was the lyricist and rhythm guitarist for alternative rock band Manic Street Preachers, and he was known for his dark intellectual lyrics and mysterious persona. Edwards vanished on February 1, 1995, at the age of 27, and he was never heard from again. Richard Edwards was born and raised in the town of Blackwood in Wales. He would later meet the other members of Manic Street Preachers, Nicky Wire, James Dean Bradfield, and Sean Moore at Oakdale Comprehensive School in Wales. The Preachers formed in 1989 with the intention of sexualizing intellectualism. The band could be described as having a punk ethos, but they combined literary references with sex, iconography, pop culture, and political stances to differentiate themselves from the acts that were leading Britain's musical movements at the time. Originality was Manic Street Preacher's main focus, attempting to create music that had not been previously heard. People described the band's debut record, called Generation Terrorists, as a cross between Guns N' Roses and The Clash, with references to poets and philosophers like Sylvia Plath and Dostoevsky. The band's initial intention was to release this lone musical statement and then disband, returning to their previous lives in Blackwood. However, Generation Terrorists was a hit, and the band went on to release a second record, Gold Against the Soul, and then a third, called The Holy Bible. This album would prove to be the most unique and controversial of the three. In keeping with their punk identity, Manic Street Preachers defied convention and challenged status quo. The members of the band juxtaposed selected quotes from writers like Albert Camus and Sylvia Plath against their own blue-collar mining industry childhoods in Blackwood, a community that had been looked down upon by the rest of Britain. The band commented several times in the press that they endeavored to use their intellect as a defense in avoiding inclusion of the beating down of Wales by the remainder of Britain. Richie Edwards was the primary architect of this defense, as he openly wore his love for literature on his sleeve. He made regular references to his literary heroes in interviews, included literature and poetry in his lyrics, and came up with most of the quotes that the band collectively shared with their fans. Even though he was billed as a guitar player in the band, Edwards was not really considered a musician by many in the Manic Street Preachers community. He only mimed playing guitar during the band's early live performances. He came to be regarded as more of a spokesperson who represented the group. Edwards didn't contribute specific musical input outside of lyrics and design ideas, and was initially a roadie and a driver for Manic Street Preachers, 
until 1989, when he became the band's fourth member. Because he enjoyed doing interviews and was happy to talk at length about his artistic pursuits, he was viewed as a figurehead of the band. He also conveyed a charismatic blend of darkness and intellect many found compelling. Oftentimes he was compared to original Pink Floyd frontman Sid Barrett in this sense. He was also seen as a spiritual archetype in the same way Doris Singer Jim Morrison was, possessing a fondness for romanticism and poetry, despite his introversion and fragility. Edwards did contribute to the preacher's overall musical approach, despite his lack of specific musical input. In fact, towards the end of the band's existence, there was potential for conflict based on Edwards' vision and the rest of the band's writing tendencies. Edwards had allegedly approached the rest of the group to pitch a concept album idea that was to sound like Nine Inch Nails and Pantera, but guitarist and vocalist Bradfield had voiced his doubt that he could write any songs in that vein that anyone would care for, let alone Edwards himself. Richie Edwards was a perplexing figure. Some have noted his duality, citing his poetic introspection, but calling out his vanity and obsession with fame and image hyperconsciousness. It seemed at times that Edwards was well rehearsed in the interviews he did with journalists, offering seemingly scripted diatribes of despair and alienation. While he wanted to be recognized as a symbol for the disenfranchised, he often positioned this representation with a peculiar comedic irony leading many to believe that it was just a defense mechanism in favor of his need to be adored. Edward suffered from severe depression and made no attempt to conceal this fact from the public, openly discussing his self-mutilation via cutting and snuffing out cigarettes on his arms in interviews. He was quoted as saying, When I cut myself, I feel so much better. All the little things that might have been annoying me suddenly seem so trivial because I'm concentrating on the pain. I'm not a person who can scream and shout, so this is my only outlet. It's all done very logically. During an interview with NME writer Steve Lamack on May 15, 1991, following a preacher show at the Norwich Arts Centre, Lamack made inferences as to the authenticity and integrity of Manic Street preachers, seeking confirmation that their punk ethos was in fact a real thing. Lamack then asked Edwards how serious he was with respect to his art. In response, Edwards pulled a razor blade from his pocket and carved for real in his forearm. Much to the shock and horror of everyone in the room. He was taken to a hospital afterwards where he required 18 stitches to close his self-inflicted wounds. Around this time, Edwards was taking Prozac and drinking excessively. He claimed to have a problem with insomnia and often drank himself into blackouts. Heroin, surprisingly, was a drug he avoided As he sang in his song entitled, Drug, Drug, Druggy, heroin is just too cliché 
Before the release of Manic Street Preacher's record, The Holy Bible, in 1994, Edwards admitted himself into Whitchurch Hospital, and from there into a facility called The Priory, while the rest of the band completed the promotional work for the record and performed as a three-piece at the Reading Festival. Following his release from the Priory in September, Edwards joined Manic Street Preachers as they toured Europe with Suede on what would be the band's final tour. Edwards' last live appearance with the band was on December 21, 1994, at the London Astoria. The concert ended with the band destroying their equipment and lighting rig, prompted by Edwards' violent smashing of his guitar towards the end of their final number. Less than two months later, on February 1, 1995, Edwards would disappear on the day that he and fellow preacher Bradfield were scheduled to fly to the United States for the American Leg of the Holy Bible Tour. Leading up to that date, Edwards withdrew 200 pounds daily from his bank account for a total of 14 consecutive days. It was assumed that the withdrawals were completed so that he could have spending money in the U.S. However, it's anyone's guess now as to what the actual purpose was for withdrawing that money. The night before he vanished, Edwards gave a friend a book called Novel with Cocaine and urged her to read the introduction, which details the story of an individual who was committed to an institution before disappearing. From a hotel room, he also left behind books and videos in a box with sentimental notes and adorned with pictures of Bugs Bunny for his sometimes girlfriend with whom he had just split up weeks earlier. On the morning of his disappearance, Edward checked out of the hotel at 7 a.m., leaving his toiletries, packed suitcase, and some of his Prozac behind. He then drove to his apartment in Cardiff, where he left behind his passport, the remainder of his Prozac, and a Severnbridge toll booth receipt. Over the following two weeks, Edwards was allegedly seen in the Newport Passport Office and at the bus station in Newport by a fan who was not aware that he was missing. It was reported that the fan and Edwards discussed a mutual friend, with Edwards departing on a bus shortly after. On February 7, a Newport cab driver claimed to have picked Edwards up from a hotel and drove him around the valleys of Wales and through Edwards' hometown of Blackwood. The cab driver stated that his passenger had spoken in a Cockney accent, which occasionally slipped into a Welsh accent. He also claimed the passenger had requested to lie down in the back seat during the ride. When the cab reached the destination the passenger had requested, the Blackwood bus station, the passenger said, This is not the place, and then asked to be driven to Pontypool Railway Station. The passenger got out of the cab at a Severnview service station in South Gloucestershire and paid the £68 fare in cash. A week later, Edwards' vehicle received a parking ticket at that Severn View service station, and on February 17, 
the vehicle was reported as abandoned. Upon inspection of the vehicle, police discovered that the battery was dead and that it appeared someone had been living in the car. Photos of Edwards' family taken by Edwards prior to his disappearance were also found in the vehicle. Because of the Severn View service station's proximity to the Severn Bridge, which was a known site for suicides, it was believed that Edwards walked to the bridge and jumped from it. However, a lot of people in Edwards' inner circle said that he wasn't the type who would entertain the idea of suicide. He was also quoted in an interview in the previous year as saying, In terms of the S-word, that does not enter my mind, and it never has done, in terms of an attempt, because I'm stronger than that. I might be a weak person, but I can take pain. In the years immediately following his disappearance, there have been many reports of Edwards being spotted in a number of places. India, the island of Lanzarote. But none of the sightings have proved conclusive, and investigators have not been able to conclude any of them as actually being valid. The investigation into the disappearance of Richie Edwards itself has drawn criticism. Many claim that several aspects of the investigation were performed in an unsatisfactory manner, and the closed-circuit camera footage was only reviewed two years after Edward's disappearance. His family was provided the option of declaring him legally dead from 2002 onwards, but they chose not to for many years, wanting his status as a missing person to remain in the hopes that he would one day return or be found by investigators. On November 24, 2008, however, media channels reported that Edward's parents had obtained a court order naming themselves as executors of his estate and finally stating that he officially died on or since February 1, 1995. The following year, Manic Street Preachers released their ninth record, it was composed entirely of songs using lyrics that were left behind by Edwards. As of 2005, Manic Street Preachers were still recognizing payment of 25% royalties into an account in his name. There is speculation that Richie Edwards is still alive, however. A new book claims he's living in a kibbutz in Israel. The book makes a couple of assertions to support this claim. One, Edwards had the word Jerusalem tattooed on his arm, although that could have certainly been a tribute to one of his favorite poets, William Blake. And two, a hairdresser in Cardiff, who had direct access to Edwards prior to his disappearance, said, quote, He's actually living in a kibbutz in Israel. Everybody knows. Just as he took great pains during his teenage years preparing to be a rock and roll idol, it's widely believed that Richie Edwards painstakingly planned to mythologize himself. At age 27, incidentally, like so many rock gods did before him, dead or alive, by creating one of the greatest mysteries in rock and roll history, it would appear that he succeeded. This has been... No Sleep Till Sudbury with Brent Jensen. Till next time, my friends, take good care. 
Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide.